FM, this is RelayCon WWDC live in San Francisco. Hey, buddy. Hey. So this is amazing. Thank you so much to everyone who's here right now. We are like so happy to do this. This is our first live WWDC show. First of many. Many? Yeah. I need to recover. So we're just blown away that we can do this. And thank you all for coming. Uh, I also want to say as well for anybody listening, thank you if you signed up for the waiting list. We're sorry. Next year, we'll have a bigger room. We'll move next door. It's much bigger. Okay, we'll do that. That's fine. Uh, I just want to very quickly say that RelayCon has been a massive undertaking for us, thanks to this guy. So thank you for doing it. And also our sponsors. We have some sponsors this evening that we'll talk about a little later on. But first off, thanks to Cards Against Humanity. They didn't want us to read an ad. They just wanted to have a drink. So <laughs> drinks are on cards. So first off... Let me introduce our co-host of Connected on Relay FM, Federico Vatici. Buonasera. How's everybody doing? All right? Let's do this. All right. Well, what you want to talk hey, buddy. about? Hi. Long what? time no see. I know. Look at yeah? this guy. He's in San Francisco. I know. It's, it's nice. So, we traveled here together. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell the people what it was like to travel with me? Well, you took a care of me, Mike. I did. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of surreal to be looking at a lot of you right now. It feels great. <laughs> it's nice. You're nice people. I mean, so, Europeans, Americans, we're all nice people. And, and everybody else, of course. <laughs> no offense. Right? Um, we had a London meetup. We had a London meetup. Well, and it was it, it was amazing. Well, I, not everyone had a meetup. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you were sorry as the that. show goes, you were dead in that. <laughs> yeah. The, that you set evening. that up, and we had to tell everyone that unfortunately you couldn't make it because you were deceased. <laughs> I feel better now, though. <laughs> That's good. I'm really pleased you made it. So, uh, this was your first keynote. Mm-hmm. What did you think? There were a lot of people, which is unusual for me because I never get to talk with this stuff with a lot of people. Uh, it was great. I'm just going to say right now, um, I was looking for more iPad stuff. <laughs> I feel like he's like saying it to someone. And it's that we got a file system, but that's okay. For some people. For some people. There we go. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, so, what was it like to stand in line? What time did you get in line this morning? 7 a.m. 7 a.m. <laughs> so, we went at 7 a.m. We wanted to take it easy because mm. it was a bigger location. Yep. And I feel like there was no need to go like at 2 a.m., you know? Yeah. Like, we, there was no need to maybe be the first in line. Um, but it was a really nice location. Now, I don't know what the keynotes are like in Moscone. Uh, but this one was very nice. Almost European, the whole setup. I mean, Why is everything European? Because the columns and architecture and stuff, uh-huh. like it wasn't American. I mean, it was American, but not real American. <laughs> but you know what I mean, <laughs> right? 
And <laughs> Frederick, let me ask you this. So you went to the watch event in March. Yes. I guess over a year ago now. Uh, how did the how did that feel compared to this one? I mean, obviously this is like this is Super Bowl for us, right? Like it doesn't I think there's basketball going on tonight or something. Who cares? This is our week. Well, I'll tell you what. Developers are really nice people, but press people, they're all standing in line and pushing each other. They want to rush to the front line. I mean, I'm sorry, Dan. I'm sorry, Jason. You two are an exception. But they're all, uh, it's a very different feeling. Like when you, go to, when you go to this kind of developer event, it feels more like we're all in this together. Even if, I mean, I don't make apps. I write about apps. But it feels like there's more of a communal feeling, of a collaborational feeling. And instead of a press event, it's more of everyone's there to do their job, which is to write about Apple because they have to. Which is okay, because that's also my job. <laughs> but but um, it's a different feeling, and I feel like this one is more genuine, maybe. That's what I would say. So let's talk about what happened today. Mac OS. They didn't capitalize the M. No, they didn't do that, did they? How do you feel about that? A little dead inside. Yeah? <laughs> have you set up Texas Bandit Snippers yet? I did. So I have Mac OS now changing to, to, uh, to you know, put out the X. And uh, it is semicolon M-O-S-S. Not sure what that says, how I feel about the, the name, because it spells Moss, mm -hmm. but it works. Okay. So... I want to talk a little bit about macOS, yes. macOS. No, is, I love that. By the way, so I'm going to keep doing that. Hey, Casey, uh, what do you think about the Siri integration? Because I think we're all expecting a really crazy Siri keynote. Yeah. So I mean, we go into these things, and something's in the news cycle. Your, you know, podcast talk about it. It's on websites, and it's really easy to, you know think it's really going to blow it out of the water. And I, for one, throw off the bat to actually answer your question before I leave it. Um, I think it's good. I think Siri on the Mac is going to be uh, a good thing for the platform. It's something Apple has worked over time. You know, it started on the iPhone and then the iPad, and now it's on the Mac. Do I wish it uh, could do more? Um, of course. But, of course, this is day one, right? We don't really know what developers are going to be able to do. We don't know what you know, these, these guys and, and ladies are going to do with it yet. But I think it's a good start, and uh, I think that the Mac will benefit from the time that Siri has had on the iPhone and the iPad, and of course the watch, when it works. Um, true story, I set a timer to come up here and tell you guys to sit down on my watch, and it just didn't do anything, and just, then I pulled my phone out, so it's really working well. But overall, I'm excited, and I think the opportunities that it presents on the Mac, like that's sort of new ground for Mac developers where they really haven't had that in a long time. And, and so something new, a big new feature coming to the Mac is exciting to me. All right, so you are a person that knows your way around the Mac. Yes. Are you ever going to use it? <laughs> I, think, I think that the, my hesitation is that I don't, like, I don't even like talking to my phone. Like, even if I'm home alone working, just me and the dog, it still feels a little weird. Like, some, there's some awkwardness there. Um. But I'm willing to give it a shot, especially if it can, can get below the surface a little bit. Like they did some of that advanced searching, which you could, of course you can do that in Spotlight. You can tell Spotlight, find me a file with this date, with this tag that, you know, it's got the word Casey in it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't need to know about that. 
But if you can do that with your voice, you know, I think that's going to be interesting. I think time will tell if I end up uh, adopting it. All right. One of the things that I think is really interesting about the Mac now is the logging in with the Apple Watch. Now, I'm kind of going back and forth in my brain about this as to whether you it really is worth having the Apple Watch for it or if you could just do it with the iPhone and you want to sell more Apple Watches. What do you think? I mean, I think it's one of those things that... I think Apple likes to give those of us who use all their devices uh, little rewards for doing that, almost. It's like a loyalty program. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you spent all this money, you can now do this cool thing. Um, but I think that it's a benefit to, to people who have a Mac and have an Apple Watch. Is it going to be something that sells a bunch of Apple Watches or doesn't sell a bunch of Apple Watches? I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, like, it's going to be really cool for those of us who want to use it, but I don't think it's going to drastically change the the direction that product is headed in. And I mean, it's this year's uh, Sherlock in for Mac ID, right? The app. It's true. Is the developer of Mac ID here? Good. Okay. <laughs> Universal Clipboard. Now, this is one that they spoke about in the Mac, but obviously it affects iOS as well. This is interesting. Like, because you, you look at it and you think, oh, that seems like something I want. But then I start thinking about all of the things that I might copy on one device, and then they just randomly, like, just hijack the clipboard of another device. Right. I think it will be something that is frustrating to use if you're going back and forth. Like, you're doing something on your Mac, you pick up your iPhone and do something. But I don't know how many people actually work that way. I know that I don't. If I'm at my Mac, I'm sitting and working at my Mac, and then if I pick my phone up to go for a walk, then I'm on my phone. So... I think there will be opportunity where for it to do the wrong thing or, or for it to break your expectation because I'm working on my Mac and I've copied something and I come back later and that's still in my mind is what's on my clipboard. But uh, you can just use a clipboard history manager like a gentleman and it'll be okay. Oh, okay. What do you think? Because it's going to be iOS to iOS as well. Uh, that's what I want to understand, right? Uh, they, it was part of the continuity features. So it's not clear to me, at least yet, if it's going to be on the local network only or like if my iPhone is on 3G and the iPad is on Wi-Fi. I think it's going to be really nice. There's no interface, which is kind of what concerns me coming from a real clipboard manager. And I feel like there's, it's going to be interesting to see which apps opt out of that feature. Because if I'm, uh, you know, like one password, for example. Can they opt out? They can, Yes. And there's going to be also, I, I feel like, some timestamp expiration. Right. Yeah. So there, there's going to be the ability for developers to opt out of that feature. And the, what, what I want to understand is, without an interface, anything I copy just propagates to another device? I don't know. Well, see, I use a clipper manager now, which is nice because I get to see what I copy. Uh, without one, it's just up to the iCloud gods, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now, there was one app. So when we were planning this out, I was like, what are we going to talk about, right? Because it all happened this morning, so I've been thinking about what we're going to talk about today. And there was one app that came up, and I was like, oh, perfect. Photos, photo management. That's three, photo oh, we, management. We've never covered that. Oh, should, should we start from the start? Have you ever heard of Everpix? Has anyone? So photos apparently got a bunch of features. See, I say apparently. I'm so judging of it already. Let's, that seemed to be Google Photos-like, right? Like is, I mean, yeah. It's, 
Okay. They through they said deep deep learning deep learning. Yeah, they, they today. really like to say deep learning and AI and advanced uh -huh. computer vision, which sounds like a movie from the eighties. Uh, but uh, it's close to I mean it's really close to Google Photos and the Google Assistant feature. Uh, I mean memories from Apple Assistant from Google, like down to the to the video stuff with the, with the stock music. Basically, uh, you can make videos with songs. It's nice. Um, It's nice. It, it makes sense for like people like I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but people like my mom, for example, they take a bunch of pictures and they can easily make a movie because they just want to mess around with other tools. So, so one of the things Apple's claiming that they're able to do with the new Photos app is to make connections between things and learn faces, and they can tell you something's a horse, something's a mountain, like how Google Photos does, right? Do you believe? that they can do this without leveraging something like Google has. Hopefully they can tell the difference between a horse and a mountain. I'll give them that. I used horse and mountain on an upgrade as well. I don't know why. It was in the keynote, I think. Was it? Was it in the keynote? Does anybody know? Okay. Ooh, underscore says yes, and underscore is the record keeper of all things. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, obviously what you're getting to, right, is that you upload your photos to Google Photos and... It is using the power of their cloud infrastructure to do all that stuff, where Apple is going to do it on this, which I'm, I'm not a computer scientist. He picked up his iPhone, by the way. I, yeah, sorry, audio listeners. I don't think this iPhone is as powerful as Google's entire cloud infrastructure. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. And so can't, can they pull it off in a way that is uh, convincing and in a way that really competes with Google Photos? I don't know. But I don't know if they have to to be a compelling feature. I think somebody who isn't going to use Google Photos for privacy reasons or they just don't know about it or they can't upload 70 gigs of photos over DSL, if it's just happening on their iPad, then they will benefit from that experience. It may not be as good as Google. I kind of think it won't be just because that's really Google's bread and butter and it's not Apple's. Uh, but maybe, this is, maybe that will change. Maybe next year if we're in that bigger room, we say, you know what, Apple's done as good of a job as Google has. I'd like to say that, but right now I'm a little hesitant to jump in. Right, but they talked about this uh, differential privacy feature, which I ha I mean, we're all talking without having read the documentation, basically. Yep. I will and never read it. So they explained this concept. <laughs> I know, you're going to wait for the audiobook version. Video version, all right. So they explained this concept, which is way above my head, so I, I don't know. Uh, but the idea is they're going to pull the, the knowledge from a lot of users while staying private, and try to spot trends in that kind of knowledge. Now, I don't know if you can like pull the knowledge of horses from uh, millions of pictures. Horses and mountains. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but, I mean, I'm, I'm not too optimistic right now. About... I feel bad, right? Like, Why do you feel bad? Because they're, they're For saying... For Apple, they have billions in the back. No, but like, because I'm just like, immediately, <laughs> immediately, I'm like, they, they can't do it. I just immediately just think they can't do it. I mean, there's a history to that complaint. And it's something that is, um, you know, when Google announced it, it was kind of in line with what they do other places, right? That they, they do this sort of big data set, pull trends together type stuff. And Apple just hasn't done that yet. And in the State of the Union, talking about the, um, what did you call it? Differential privacy. Thank you. I'm never going to remember that. They're, they've already been using it in things like news. And so I think they had some examples of like ways that it works already. And so maybe they can do it. You know, my bigger questions around that sort of thing are like 
I own an iPhone and I own an iPad and I own a Mac. And if I buy into the system, which my photos are still in Dropbox, I'm not even in the Photos app yet, how, like, are they passing that metadata structure around? Or is, like, my iPad and my iPhone and my Mac all doing this independently? And if they're doing it independently, are the results the same on all of them? I hope they're like, not doing that. I, who knows, man? Like, it's it's the Wild West right now. Um, but they're very, obviously, very concerned about the, the privacy angle, which I appreciate. I mean, I use Google Photos. I think we all do at this point. Just for like a searching. Yeah, I use yeah, I use it to find things because I don't sync. I can't sync my whole library to my phone. It makes really nice black and white pictures of you, by the way. Google that's good Photos. To know. Yeah, you look great in black good. and white. Well, that's good. You should consider that as an avatar. I have to say though, it's been nice uh, this week because I've been getting a bunch of like three years ago, you're a WWDC type stuff popping up, and I know that Apple's doing some of that, like yeah. the memory stuff as well. And it seems like what they're it seemed quite ambitious what they're trying to do, right? Like linking people together, linking places together. And you know, you, we were making fun of the videos, right? But it looks like the, the picture stuff looks pretty good. Yeah, and especially when you consider all the different kinds of features they can put together, like, or, or videos, like slow-mo videos or live photos uh, or, you know, like the, the, the time-lapse, for example. So they have these different types of media. It's not just like a picture and a video. It's multiple types of videos and pictures, which is interesting to, to see, like, you don't have to do anything about, you know, putting together manually. It's all automatic. And if they can pull it off, I mean, if you consider the scale of the Photos app, uh, the, the billions of people basically using that. Uh, so it has potential, but uh, I want to be sort of neutral, you know, not too optimistic, not too pessimistic. Let's wait and see. Yeah. Swift Playgrounds. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now... Can you give a brief overview as to what Swift... Because this is not Xcode, right? What, like, what is Swift Playgrounds on iOS? Like, what is the basis of what this is? I mean, I'm not the best person to do that, but... Well, yeah, I, I figured... All right, do you know more? I, right. I can try. <laughs> all right. Right, so the idea is... You were there. Uh, I was there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> so the idea is you, uh, it's an app where you can learn Swift and there's a bunch of courses and lessons that you, that you can take and they teach you Swift in this interactive fashion and it's real code but some of the features that you use to put together this code are not the usual stuff that you see in Xcode so for example you want to create a repeat loop uh, you drag a bunch of things around and you can do that visually and manually with multi-touch and they show this demo of like putting together different games uh, or like scenarios where you, you have this character on screen and you want to teach a character to walk or to jump and you put together these comments in a very simple fashion and then you can advance the courses and do more complicated stuff. And then in the State of the Union, they show the more uh, adventurous type of things such as ac- accessing the iOS SDK or iOS APIs and doing real stuff like... Uh, a color uh, picker, for example. Uh, so it can or, go pretty deep then. Yeah, and I mean, of course, I saw the workflow guys on Twitter. They access Objective-C in the Swift Playgrounds. and I mean, those guys are crazy. Uh, <laughs> but it is possible. So um, it's not Xcode. So Casey, I mean, so the backstory here. A while back, Casey, Casey told me, if it's going to be anything more than Playgrounds, I'll buy you a bottle of anything. So and close. I took a screenshot of that. It's still in my notes app as Casey's promise. 
Now, I don't know, am I supposed to buy you, uh, to buy you a bottle of anything? We're good? It's okay. We're good. We, we have witnesses here. Yeah, we're all good. <laughs> all right. Federico, tell me, do you think that this is a sign of the maturity of the iOS platform? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you cannot create apps on the iPad, which I guess is going to be the new meme going forward. Uh, but it's definitely a sign of, you know, any platform where you can start do programming, I feel like it's a sign of growing up. And you can see the growing up from the consumer standpoint where more extensions, giving developers more access. And you can see that maturity from a, a real programming point of view, which is you can write code and you can see what's happening. So it's still not Xcode. I'm not sure we'll, when we'll get Xcode. I'm, I want to be optimistic here and say we'll get there eventually. But it's nice, especially because like, I'm thinking in education scenarios. Right. And... There's, there's an educator kids, over there, right? I think. Huh? I think there's an educator over there. I think there's, a, there's some yeah, guy. Fist pump, fist pump guy, I think. Some guy I do some podcast with. <laughs> and when you have these kids using iPads in, in mm-hmm. classrooms mm-hmm. for books and apps and courses, and then you reach the point where you're like, okay, I want to teach programming, and you, and you have to move to a Mac, which, you know, respect to the Mac, but... Easy. <laughs> I know. Don't, don't, don't bring... I can ship you an iMac. I'm just saying. Or 15. The transition to... The transition to... From an iPad to Xcode could be smoother, maybe. It could be like growing up with the iPad and eventually moving to the Mac when you get to do real, uh, you know, development with apps. So I think we'll get there. It's just... Baby steps. Yeah, I, I like the educational angle to it. And you, you and I were talking this morning. Neither you or I are developers. Oh. Um, I shouldn't be allowed anywhere near it. But it's really, I mean, it's built in a way, obviously, to there's a classroom angle to it. And especially in the demo they used, which I think was really purposeful, saying, you know, this is this guy. You're going to move him around. And you can see it visually as it's happening. But even for somebody like me or maybe someone like you who maybe want to get into this at some point, I can see it being a really easy way in. I mean, I, my hat's off to all of you developers here tonight because it seems so daunting to me uh, to do it as a job. And to, to see an easy way in where maybe if it's not me, but maybe one of my kids wants to learn it or, you know, so many easier ways in, so good. And, I mean, yeah. the, the yeah. cynic is like, well, Apple is like embedding Swift in all of our children's minds. Like, cool. Let's do it. Um, do you think you do you take the courses? You're going to try it. I'm definitely going to play with it. I think that it is. If anything, I want to see what this type of work is like on yeah. the iPad. I don't know if I'm going to go write an app anytime soon, but I am excited to to at least spend some time with it. You? What do you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Michael's I'm, right. I'm going to build one, two, three note taker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm I'm taking this joke as far as I can go. All right, that's it. That's it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Let's say thank, thank you to you. Federico and Stephen. All right. So just before we start our next section, I want to thank a couple of our sponsors for this evening. So if you're a fan of Relay FM, you've probably heard of Dash. Uh, it's an app where you can create and share dashboards on the web. Dash is currently working on something new, and they're looking for beta testers. 
Dash Agent is what it's called, and it's a software that you install behind your own firewall, and it lets you show information from your database on your dashboard. If you're interested in beta testing, you can talk to Scott. He's in the back. Scott, raise your hand. Where are you, Scott? Oh, there he is. He's not in the back. He's at the front. Uh, or you can send an email to hello at the dash.com. Thank you, Scott. Also, a huge thanks to Smile for helping us out today. As always, now I have something special here. Uh, a dramatization of Text Expander in action. Capital T, small x, small f, capital S, is the capital SIT to max prod. Capital T, small x, insta access, share team, cust resp, up mess, whole comp, learn more. Basically, that says Text Expander from Smile is the simply indispensable tool to maximize personal and team communication productivity. Text Expander provides instant access to snippets of content you can expand in any app that you're using to communicate. Share groups of snippets with select members of your team, customize standard responses for your support, sales, and marketing teams, and update your message frequently, accurately, and immediately across your whole company. To learn more, visit textexpander.com today. Thank you, Smile. All right, now let me introduce my next guest, my co-host of Upgrade on Relay FM, Mr. Jason Snell. Look at him running to the stage, Jason Snell. Hello, person. Please take a microphone. Do I get to sit here? You get to sit right next to me. I was in the back. You read that really fast. I thought I had lots of time. On point today. (laughs) Yeah, you're so professionals. Jason, before we begin... Is they got that. the new Apple file system a robot? I don't think I'm qualified to answer that. But I know someone who is. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Syracuse. So can you tell me, is the new Apple file system a robot? That's... Hold on, hold on a second. Robot or not. Robot or not. That All right, was, now, that was, again. That was so bad. That question is like the one that inspired the show in the first place, and that it is very dumb. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the original question was uh, the dance the 80, from the 80s, the robot. Is uh-huh. that a robot? That is not a robot. Uh, neither is the file system. Bad, bad question. Are you having a good day, though? I am having a good day. Yeah. Good, good Jason, do you have a better question? I, yeah, I do. Okay, so John... Um, People have been trying to understand your definition of a robot. Uh, we've learned that a Roomba is a robot. Nanobots may be robots. Other things that people think are robots are not robots. Somebody gave me a very detailed hypothetical that I wanted to run past you. Mm, right. <laughs> this is how the show goes. It's basically like this. I, I say long sentences and John's like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm right. Um, so imagine there was a robot... Well, okay, you decide. There's an object, there's a, a, a machine, and it's on a track. And it's in, let's say, some sort of terrain where the sun shines at various times of the day. And this machine has a flower pot. This is getting complicated. <laughs> and the flower pot, the, the goal of the machine, the machine's been programmed, it's got a light sensor, and it can move up and down the track. And the right. goal is to keep the flower pot in the sun as much as possible so the flower grows. So... I realize this is a hypothetical, but the idea there is it can move, although only on one dimension on a track, and it's looking for the light because it needs to keep the plant in the light. Is mm. that a robot? How big is the vehicle in comparison to the track? <laughs> How can that... See, the, I'm not usually here. There's a good reason. How can that make any difference to your answer? It just does. A robot's, right. robot's, uh, like, 
it's how, a, how big is it compared to the track? Like, is the track is the track the length of this room, and the and the thing moving is half the length of the room, or is the track miles long? Or like, I think the track is like the size of an office building, let's say, and it's right. a it's like a, a a big flower pot, really huge flower pot, <laughs> yeah. like a bed of with flowers in it. I think that's a robot mm. because uh, kind, of, kind of like uh, you know Wheatley or whatever. What was the name from Portal? The big orb guy, audience. Wheatley. Wheatley, I got it. Okay. Um, he was stuck on the track too, but eventually he jumped off of the track. Being stuck on a track doesn't mean you're not a robot. He's mobile, and it's just making decisions about where to go, like the Roomba. Like, have I been there? Am I hitting a wall? Is, is there a gap here or whatever? So it has a simple logic of follow the light. And I mean, the flower is silly. That doesn't need to be there. It could just be following the light for its own solar panel purpose. The flower is a, a red herring. But uh, <laughs> I think that it's a cruddy robot, but I think that's a robot. I think we've done it. I, I feel like anytime it's actually a robot, it is a huge victory. <laughs> it's not that rare. Did you ever run the stats? People are like, oh, there's never a robot. Did we ever look at what it is? It's a low percentage, but it's not like 1%. I'm going to have to call Wikipedia about that one I get to crunch yeah. the numbers about that. But yeah. it's not, it, it's often, people are very sad when their favorite science fiction machine is. They think everything is a robot because robots are cool and they like something, and they, whatever. But everything right. is not a robot, people. No, no. Everything is not. <laughs> Mr. John Syracuse, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. (laughs) All right, now to join me and Jason to talk about watchOS and iOS, Serenity Caldwell of Imore. Oh, we're standing to say hello. Hello. All right, so... WatchOS. WatchOS. It's been a big day for WatchOS. It has been. Kicked off the keynote, and I think, good reason... Um, they rushed through it, but there was a lot there. And I think one of the biggest things that we have or will have with watchOS 3 is faster app access. Yes. Uh, I definitely... That was the first moment of the keynote after, of course, the moment of silence. And uh, right into that, they're like, congratulations, apps launch instantly now. And inside, I'm just like, thank you, God. <laughs> I, was, I was very, very happy to see that. And of course... We learned as the watchOS 3 demo went on, although they really only used the word watchOS 3 once, and then after that was just watchOS. We're not talking about version names or numbers anymore, aside from iOS. iOS gets numbers because it's special. But but watchOS, they're like, well, it's going to launch instantly. Well, most apps are going to launch instantly. Well, your dock apps are going to launch instantly, and then the other apps are going to launch really, really fast, and we'll explain more in the State of the Union, so (laughs) stick around for that. but overall, it seems like they have vastly improved uh, speed and uh, being able to actually access your watch apps instead of what happens right now, where I'm like, oh, I've got complications. This is really nice. Carrot Weather says something, although it looks like it's three hours out of date, and I tap on it, and then I tap on it again, and then I tap on it a third time, and that doesn't work, and then I tap on it, and then I spend spin, spin, uh, yeah, spin. spinning for five minutes, and then I get a complication or a, an actual app. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a like moment of uh, philosophy, just like a, a little reverie while I was listening to that of like, it's a seven times as fast to launch. What does that mean? Quite honestly, I'm not quite sure how long it takes my Apple Watch apps to launch because after about three seconds, I give I, up. You I switch. give up, right? Yeah. So it's like, if it takes a thousand seconds to launch, what's one seventh of that? Is that too long still? I don't know. I don't know the answer there. But I was very impressed with the fact that they said prioritization, the fact that they created two classes of apps, I think is really clever. The idea that if you choose to have it in your dock or 
as a complication, which is another thing. You're, you're showing intent. You're showing some intent that this app means something to you. And I was showing you earlier, like how many apps are on my actual Apple watch. And it's ludicrous. I have, because I apparently at some point switched uh, that uh, switch to that says, oh, oh, any app that has an Apple watch, sure, put it on the watch. Who cares? Um, and most of those apps I don't use. Right. So, um, that's a smart idea to say, look, if you show any reason that you care about this app, we will make, you know, make sure that it can run in the background and do some other stuff so that it doesn't take an infinite number of seconds to launch it. Well, there's just a like really good point here. How many times did we see the carousel in that demo? Because I don't think we saw it really at all. Oh, no. Yeah, the carousel was, I mean, I'm sure it's still there. But they're not talking about it anymore. That's the little tiny touch target. They don't want you to do that anymore no. with apps. No. The honeycomb, the honeycomb is persona non grata. I really kind of hope it's just actually dead. And I don't they, think it is. Yeah. I think it's still there. And <laughs> Until that's the place, Siri gets good enough. That's the place you go to retrieve something that you don't, you haven't said you care about. Yeah. 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 So that's my guess. When the watch was launched, two buttons. One of those buttons activated friends and digital touch. That button has now been replaced, I guess. The function has been replaced. What do you think that shows for the thinking of the Apple Watch inside of Apple? Well, I am very glad that Apple took a hard look at how people were using the watch and said, you know what? We really liked Friends internally in, in Watch OS 1. We thought it was a neat feature. We thought people would love to send their heartbeat and do little digital touches. And then we realized when we sent it to everybody that no one really wants to use this feature and it's kind of useless. And on top of that, the touch targets are again, too small, especially if you're, you know, a woman and wearing a 38 millimeter or a man with small wrists. Uh, so we're actually going to use the side button for something useful. And after watch OS two came out and there wasn't a change, there was a lot of speculation in watch OS three. It's like, what are they going to use the side button for? Are they going to let us customize it and turn it into like launching activity? Or is it just going to be de facto Apple pay? Or is it going to be used for accessibility to highlight things? And instead they're like, okay, you know what? We've decided that not only are friends crap, we're going to take this off the table, but also glances. Glances were a nice idea, but no one uses them because they forget how to swipe. So instead, we're going to assign that button to a functionality. We're going to make it easier to launch apps from there. And that's going to be your dock is now this button. And also, it's something that we've made before. You know, it's a, this is a product that we actually have a name for that we've used on other platforms that users will be familiar with. And we've, uh, we've changed this, uh, you know, we've changed your swiping behavior so that they actually make sense and you can, you can get apps from that way too. So I, um, I am really grateful that Apple kind of took a step back and said, Hey, maybe, maybe this digital touch thing is, is better suited for this device and, and not this device. You know, there's somebody inside Apple, um, who this was their feature, right? I mean, you know it. You know somebody out there was like, man, that button, it's going to be friends, it's going to be a ring, you're going to pick people, you're going to send them your heartbeat. It's going to be awesome. Everybody's going to love it. And to be honest, when they announced it at the event on September 9th, 2014, cool. I, I, as soon as they said it, I was like, oh, that's terrible. That's oh, a terrible no, I idea. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> no. I really I, liked it, but I, no one would use it with me. Yeah. But I think that, but the, the fact is we can have those disagreements about what we think. And obviously that happened at Apple. And they're like, yeah, this might be a good idea. Let's try it, right? Be, you being a creative person, let's try it. But one thing to test it uh, in before you even build it and then like six months of betas 
on the Apple campus from people yep. who are Apple yep. employees. And there's another thing to ship it and watch how people use it for a year. And for me, that was one of the key questions. Maybe the key question of this keynote was, can they, can that person or the people who made that decision look at it a, a year later and say, yeah, it didn't work. Let's move on. Let's do something else. And that's what they did with watchOS 3. And I'm really encouraged by that, that, that I was concerned they were going to put a stake in the ground and say, um, you know, damn it, we think we're right. Let's do this some more. And they didn't. They said, no, nah, we got that wrong. Let's, uh, let's move on. And the fact that Apple, there was a moment where it's like, oh, are we permitted to joke about how slow apps are on the Apple Watch now? In the keynote where they said, oh, hey, launching Apple Watch apps is terrible. But now it's great. <laughs> For the next six it's, months. You know? Right? <laughs> but, uh, but they were, they did do that, right? They, they, even though it's always couched in the idea that it's now been improved and it's always, you, mm-hmm. never, you never admit you've got a weakness until you've got the solution to the weakness. Yeah. Even so, they did basically put WatchOS 2 up on stage and say, ha ha, look at that. It doesn't work. You know, we or did sorry. the iMac special recently and they were doing the races between the like the old, like the PCs and the Macs, the PCs it reminded and the Macs, me yeah. of that. It's like, yeah. ready, set, right. go. Except you're, con- yeah, it's, it's today's Apple Watch versus tomorrow's Apple Watch. Something I can't get out of my head from today was the uh, things they're doing for fitness for wheelchair users. It's just one of those things that is like such an Apple thing to do. Like what is the percentage of their audience that are wheelchair users? It must be a tiny percentage. But they have put so much work and effort into that. I, I just can't, it just keeps rattling around in my brain. It's like a reason that I love the company. It reminds me of what Apple has done for creative professionals in their past and where they just say, this is a niche group of users. Yes, this is a group of users that the general population may not even think about. And I, you know, certainly until, until Kevin Lynch brought that up, it, I, it hadn't even crossed my mind. Like I think about accessibility constantly because we write articles about it and, you know, we want to make sure that people understand how to use the accessibility features because Apple is so far ahead in that. But you take their, you know, their fitness device, the device that they're saying we're cha- we're promoting health and we're we're taking it forward. And yeah, there's a whole segment of the population that may not have the use of some or all of their limbs, um, where this this is a this is potentially a game changer, right? Where it's like, how many fitness devices are specifically geared towards people with uh, with you know uh, potential disabilities or or you know being in wheelchairs? That's huge. And the fact um, they were educating, I think, everybody in that room, where it's like, here yeah. are the types of wheelchair roles. That was incredible. And now I want to learn more about how you how you move in a wheelchair and what's best for what type of terrain, like the arc or the semi roll. Like that's fascinating to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Part of what Apple has really said is part of what uh, as a company and a culture it believes has been embedded in things like health kit and research kit. And, you know, people ask, um, isn't that just PR? It's like, yeah, it's PR, but I think it's not just PR. I think it's also a corporate value. And even if this is PR, that's a choice that they make to do that kind of PR. Like, sure. You know, they sure. want to be seen as that company. And I don't believe it's, it's um, you know, greenwashing where they're essentially saying, well, this will make us look better, so mm-hmm. we'll do it. I do believe it's a corporate value. Um, and this is another example of that where I think this is them choosing to make some decisions because this is a product that has health implications and therefore it should, you know, it should be more accessible. And so, yeah, that was, you're right though. That's exactly what I thought. This is the, you know, most Apple-y 
of of things in terms of like Tim Cook's Apple. Yeah, to to have Definitely. the time to roll. That was that was great. I loved that. That was my favorite. Yeah, part. they're I, quietly revolutionizing it. Yep. Let's talk about iOS messages. Wow. <laughs> there is, I feel there's a real division in this. Oh yeah. Like you either really want this or want it to go away really fast. I can't wait to send people amazing messages full of confetti and explosions. Amazing. Wow. Oh yeah, I'm going to get so many confetti explosions from Mike and Steven. Yeah. Oh my God. But the thing that was really interesting in the presentation that they just breezed by is a messages app store. What is going on here? Well, uh, so they, they kind of dropped that right on the more, more slide and after saying, yeah, you can do app integrations. And really what it is, is it is app extensions, but it is going to be its own separate section in the app store, just like third-party keyboards kind of have their separate subsection. I don't think it's actually going to be a separate app store, but you'll be able to access it much like you have Facebook's like buy cart shopping cart yep. inside yep. their app where it's like buy new stickers and um, anybody who's like dug into the docs a little bit, you've got like, you've got the sticker store that Apple's going to have. And then you also have messages, app extensions, and the stickers can just be stickers. As they said on stage, you don't need to code to be able that I could get on my iPad pro and I could draw, you know, vector, a couple of vector stickers and theoretically sell them on the iMessages app store for 99 cents. If I wanted to relay stickers. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, I we'll make love it happen. stickers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can get someone to make one. I, I, I will be disappointed guy. if all the relay stickers do not show up on iMessage. We're committing <laughs> people to this, and you can hear him laughing over there. Chris, can you can you work on that for us, Chris? <laughs> Is that okay? Thank you. No, the the we talked about this on on upgrade today that there are these like emoji deniers out there. Yep. And I get it. Um, you know, there there is definitely going to be a vein of, of people who are who say, "Well, look, these are te- just messages, and everything else is frivolity, and forget about it. And why they, they waste their time with this?" But if you look at the world and how people use their phones, especially worldwide, not just in one region, but worldwide, messaging apps are the top apps. They are incredibly popular. People use people live in these apps. They live in WeChat. They live in Snapchat. They live in, there are a bunch of others, Line and Telegram, and there's so many others like this. And, and, uh, and yes, and Google announced some similar features at I.O., but, you know, as the platform owner, Apple really risked messages becoming irrelevant to almost everybody because a lot of people really like the fun stuff. Um, and it's not just age, although age is part of it. Like, my daughter is really into Snapchat, and she loves uh, sending emojis and things like that, but my mom loves sending emojis, too. I think that... I think that people have really gotten that messaging with other people, using your phone to connect with other people can go beyond just the text you send them. It can be pictures and videos and emoji and animations and stickers and all of these other things. And I, I got to applaud Apple for realizing that and putting some effort into making messages um, better because the other opportunity here is, is uh, they don't do that. They do something else. But then iMessage, I think, becomes irrelevant, essentially, over time. And iMessage has, of course, I mean, it has a huge benefit over some of the other messaging platforms out there in that it is end-to-end encrypted, which is which is huge in comparison to something, you know, like Elo. Um, but in addition to that, I think this is a big recognition internationally, too, in terms of how people, how people communicate 
Um, and also when you think about the origin of messaging, right? When we talk about communicating online, who's ever sent just a text message and had it interpreted the wrong way, right? Where it's just text. If you, if you put the period on or if you take the period off, suddenly instead of just normal grammar, it becomes, oh my God, are they mad at me? They ended it with a period. Whereas I think emoji is a way to kind of lighten that up, adding reactions, adding stickers. It's a way to, to actually communicate emotions in a, you know, in a forward thinking, in a, in a very real, uh, it's like body language or, or, uh, other nonverbal communication. This is right. Cause text alone is not enough. And so it's like, okay, what if we animated your text bubble? What if you could put a sticker on something? What if you could send an emoji? It's still a really narrow bandwidth communication medium compared to us all in a room together, but, uh, which we're all wired for and our brains are wired for, but it's better than just plain text. Yeah, and I, I really do applaud Apple. We're talking about the, the Apple Watch and, and the Friends button and all of that for really recognizing, hey, digital touch is still potentially a really cool feature. Let's take it off of the watch where it's tiny and almost impossible, and instead let's make it so that you can annotate photos and you can put stickers on top of photos and you can draw on top of photos or you can just do animated handwritten text that pop up in your messages screen. I think that's a much better place for it. So. As well as this, we also saw a brand new lock screen. So there's new notification stuff, and it seemed like there were a lot of actions that were taking advantage of 3D touch. But when I was looking at this and they were showing, oh, you can take a look at calendar availability by just 3D touching, you can respond to messages by just 3D touching, is there a privacy concern here? Because someone should pick up my phone and have all conversations with people, check my messages. (laughs) Open. They could do that if they wanted to, maybe. (laughs) It's... I had that same thought, and I, I was actually using, um, I was trying to use Siri in as many ways as possible the last few weeks, thinking that there would be a lot of talk about Siri this week. Mm-hmm. And you know, the number one problem with Siri on the iPhone is that half of the things you try to tell it, it says, I'm sorry, I, you need to unlock the phone to do that. And I don't know what the solution is, um, I, because it's understandable why a lot of stuff is behind the lock and you can't do it. At the same time, a lot of things become a lot less valuable. So I was thinking that again that um, with, the, uh, with the notification stuff, it's the same story. It's like, I want, it's a tough line to walk, but I don't want, I want these things to be useful. Yep. And mm-hmm. yet I also want them to be secure. So I don't know whether, you know, there's, what the solution is to that. Uh, would, you, would they do proximity using your Apple Watch on your iOS device as well as on your Mac? Nice. I don't know. I don't know, but, but it is a problem and I get the need for security, but at some point, I mean, I got really frustrated with Siri. It's like, I know, you know, you, you want to save my information and not make it publicly available. But if I'm driving, I just want you to do it. I don't want to get my phone out and put my, my finger on the Touch ID sensor just to get you to, you know, read my messages. Yeah. Because I'm driving, that's dangerous. You yep. should just be able to do it. So how do they find that balance? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's my understanding that a lot of that is going to be contextually set in privacy. So it's going to be up to you in terms of how much you want to show on the lock screen versus how little and whether you want to show compact or expanded views. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a great point uh, in terms of I would love to see proximity with the watch to, to the iPhone. It's like, oh, or, or if I'm in my house, if I'm geofenced, if I'm probably not going to be somewhere where people are snooping over my shoulder, let me just do these actions. Rem, what is the thing that you're most excited to try from iOS 10? Music. Why is that? <laughs> well, I spent a little bit of time writing about Apple Music, like not not a lot, like an hour. 
One hour. <laughs> one hour. Yeah, yeah just yeah. just one hour uh, uh, per day, every day for that's some sort of metric year? Canadian hour. Yeah, <laughs> half Canadian hour. Uh, yeah. So message or uh, the other M music got a very drastic redesign uh, that when I initially saw it, I kind of hated. And then the more I saw it, the more I really grew to love it. It's this big, bold, brash thing. Whereas before music was all about tiny touch targets, you had the tiny little mini player and the tiny little buttons. And in order to get your offline songs, you had to like tap in the middle of the, the, my songs thing, and then scroll all the way to the bottom and slide over for show offline. It was just awful. And especially Again, we go to the driving thing where it's like Siri works and some people have CarPlay, which is awesome. And some people have Siri hands-free which or eyes-free, which is awesome. But the vast majority of people are driving cars that do not support either right now. And even though no one wants to encourage touching your phone while driving, there are going to be people who use the music app while they're driving. Um, and the new music app, uh, it's obviously not directly designed for this, but it's all of the UI is so much bigger and so much easier to use. The font is like 14 or 16 point San Francisco. So it's nice. It's big. It's bold. Everything's been reorganized. Pretty much everything from my Apple music wish list has been granted. They took out connect and they put it into for you. There's discovery mixes where I don't know where Federico is, but I'm kind of like here Spotify's like, or Spotify says we're going to do discovery mixes. And Apple says, no, instead of doing discovery mixes, we're not only going to do a discovery mix for you weekly, but we're going to curate your favorited songs so that everything you press like in is going to go into a mix. And on top of that, we're going to give you daily mixes and we're going to bring back beats is like, if you liked this, then go here. And so all of, all of these things, um, in my hope, and of course I haven't used it yet, so I can't say everything's fixed because Apple music has many problems and the, the app design is only a, a small factor of them, but they're going, I feel like, in the right direction. They're recognizing that people want to see their music library. They're recognizing that people might want to listen to music when they're offline. They're recognizing that you don't really need four buttons all for Apple Music, and you can probably just do it in one. They're recognizing where curated music makes sense versus automation. Um, and, I, I, and big search button. Big search button is my favorite of all of that. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Please give it up for Jason and Ray. Thanks, Mike. All right. I just want to take a moment to thank a couple of more sponsors who are helping out today. I want to thank uh, Mac Mini Colo. Recently, Mac Mini Colo and Mac Stadium merged to be able to cover the whole market of Mac hosting. As the primary Mac hosting company in the world, customers range from personal servers to huge startup companies. But most importantly of all, they host the Relay FM live stream. They do, and we love them for that. Mac Stadium has thousands of Macs in five different data centers in Las Vegas, Atlanta, and Dublin. You can rent Mac Minis, Mac Pros, or send in your own hardware with no contracts required. A recent push is for continuous integration for both small and very large companies. Like one company has 54 Mac Pros and all flash storage. If you're developing software, they can help. You can talk to Brian, who's here, or visit macstadium.com slash relay to learn more about the company and find a discount code for signing up. And also, I want to thank MacPaw. MacPaw are a bunch of ambitious Mac app developers. They're the folks behind CleanMyMac and Gemini. They're also the magicians who launched DevMate, 
a huge platform for Mac developers, which is indispensable for those who sell apps on their own. You can find out more at MacPaw.com. Thank you so much to those lovely companies. All right. Now, we spent a bit of time talking about iOS 10, right? But we haven't spoken about enough of it, and we've already had Federico on stage. So who else do I know that really loves using iOS and loves working on iOS? I think we're going to need one more thing. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host of Cortex on Relay FM, Mr. CGP Gray. Hello. Wave for the live photo. Hey, hey, everybody. It's great to be here. He's always the showman. Look at this. Am I? Yep. So, uh, before we start, are you the only person in San Francisco to just come to RelayCon? I might be. I might be. How many of you are here just because of RelayCon? There we go. Oh, look, look at, at that. that. That was look more than that. I thought. Look at that. Look at that. that. Fantastic. Uh, so, Gray, every two weeks on Cortex, we talk about our multi-iPad lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. think iOS 10 is going to continue to advance our iPad lifestyle, Gray? <sighs> okay, listen, audience. I, I need to let you in, like, behind the scenes of what happened here. Look at, look at you getting all nervous. You don't know what I'm going to say. Right, so Mike convinced me to come here, you know, with his convincing nature as he does. And he goes, oh, look, don't worry. You don't have to prepare. It's going to be really easy. All we're going to do is talk about all of the iPad stuff that they're going to discuss at WWDC. It's not my fault. Right? And so, and so we're sitting there. I'm sitting next to Mike watching the keynote live. And at the point when they're doing all this messages stuff, I'm sitting there just thinking, oh, no. <laughs> Looking at my watch. It's very close to the end now. This seems to be their big thing. Nothing is coming. So here we are. <laughs> I have some things to talk to you about. Uh, how excited are you for all the big emoji and bouncing bubbles I'm going to send you? And the confetti. Like, it's like time to record Cortex. Oh, God. I, you can't get away from them. If there, if there is, if there's anybody on the Apple accessibility team, I have a feature request. When you toggle that reduce motion setting, it should reduce that kind of motion. Right? You won't be able to escape. No, I will not be able to escape from it. I will not be able to escape from it. I am, I am slightly the, the grumpy old man in this situation of sitting there thinking like, am I out of touch no, it's the children who are out of touch, right? <laughs> Looking at that. Uh, so, but it is, it is, I totally agree with Jason from before. Like, it's not for me. I'm not going to be sending you exploding messages. Uh, but it is, it is totally the strategic move for Apple to do. Like, if I was the CEO, I would have said, you guys have to do this. And I have seen on the periphery of my social group, people starting to eat away at iMessage, like starting to send me requests about, let's not talk on iMessage because I can't send you stickers. So I think they had to do it. They totally had to do it, even though it's not for me. I will not be using it, but I will be receiving it. Like me and Federico recently have basically moved all of our communication to Telegram. 
because it does little things like expanding the, the links and stuff, but it also does stickers and extra emoji, and it has weird little apps in it and stuff. So I think it is the right move to make. It's just unfortunate when people like me will send things to you all the time. There is one thing that I think will help you. So you know the new emoji suggestions? Do you think they will help increase your emoji game? You can, you know, you can send me some messages. You press the little button and you can send hit. I feel like this is for people who don't understand emoji. Yeah, that was, right? that was exactly my thought. When, when they did the, we're going to write a thing and then we're going to turn it into indecipherable hieroglyphics for you. I was sitting there thinking, who is this for? Who is this for? Because people I know who use lots of emojis do not need assistance using more emojis. Right? So it, like, it, it did totally strike me as a, this is how you teach grandpa how to emoji yep. kind of feature. Yep. Like, listen, grandpa, I know you don't know where the emojis go. Just press this button and then it will be sent to me. Like, I, I just, I have a hard time conceiving who that's for, but I have to say, it made a hilarious demo, right? Like, it, yeah, it was a it real was crowd pleaser when they pressed that button. It's like, emojis everywhere. <laughs> what do you think about HomeKit? Now, like, this is maybe the second or third time we've heard about HomeKit WWDC. I know that you are interested in some of the home automation stuff. Did, like, the Home app and some of the additional things that you're trying to do, did that pique your interest in any way? I feel like you. I feel like I've seen this presentation three times now about yeah. how I'm going to live in an amazing automated future. And I'm still just sitting here with my hue lights, you know, to change them, change the colors every once in a while. I mean, I guess now HomeKit has a place that it exists in so that I can hopefully tie things together. But I, did, I didn't hear stuff like what I want to hear of, hey, home automation systems, do you know that more than one person lives in a house? Like, it's great to trigger the lights to leave when I leave, but, like, other people are in the yeah. house, right? So, you know, like, it doesn't seem like it's some crazy leap to be able to check about which devices are in the house. And if anybody should be able to do it, it's like, I feel there needs to be something with this where you can set up the home to kind of share information between different Apple IDs. Right? Like, I am here, and my wife is here, and, like, other people are visiting so even if my wife and I leave, everything in the house doesn't shut off. And, and you know, the guests are just left in the dark and nothing turns on. So it's like I, I want it to be interesting, but I kind of thought it doesn't seem like any more than I can currently do right now. One of the things that they just flew by in the keynote was notes collaboration. <laughs> now, I am, in my mind, this is the most incredible thing and we'll all be able to just type simultaneously. Do you remember, do you remember, Mike, when we were starting Cortex? Oh, yeah. And one of my requests was, can we use pages to collaborate? <laughs> I said, hell no, we cannot <laughs> use pages. And we, we went to Google Docs for a while, but then we both rage quit Google Docs recently. Yes, we did. And we used Quip. Yes, we do. I would love to use notes for this stuff. But I, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about it. I haven't mm. seen anything about it. It's not, I haven't seen it on any product pages. Mm -hmm. I know that it's a thing that exists. I don't think it's going to be what I want. Like, I think it will just be like kind of Evernote collaboration. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like one yeah. person will do a note, one person will have a note. But maybe with Mrs. Gray, would you share notes and like for traveling? Maybe with me 
traveling with me. And why am I sharing notes with you when I'm traveling? Because, you know, you might want to. <laughs> Sometimes friends tell each other things. You know, you might want to let me know what your travel plans are. You know? <laughs> no? Uh, I see the hope in your eyes. You share them with me? Right. But I think there is going to be disappointment in reality. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think if they had built some kind of crazy live collaboration feature, we would have seen it, right? They would, yeah. they would have demoed it. They were like, look, two people can talk at the same time on a, on a notes ma message lab. Like it, this is like whenever Google did it with Wave a decade ago, right? But for some reason, yeah, someone remembers oh, Wave. Google Wave. Who remembers oh, Wave? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I feel like I remember seeing that video and I was like, this is the future. This is amazing. And they're like, oh, it, really it never became so good. It looks so cool. It looks yeah. so cool. End name for a thing in Firefly. I was like, there's no way this is going to fail. There's no way. But, so no, I don't imagine we're going to be using notes collaboratively. Like, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that more they bring into notes. But again, it's hard. It's hard for me to see that personally, me using that personally. But what I am going to use is that clipboard everywhere. Right? Okay. <laughs> Because I have to say, that was like, I was hoping for more iPad stuff, but that universal clipboard is like, this is for me, right? I have very many devices between which I want to copy and paste things all the time, and I have used many of these clipboard syncing things, but they never quite work right, and so this feels like the platform owner has to do this, right? Apple has to do this. They can run something that monitors when you copy and paste every time, so... I'm actually quite happy about that, being able to move around between five OS devices. Like, I want to be able to do that really simply. Lots of people know that uh, we obsess, maybe you more than me, over home screen organization. You will now be able to remove the Apple apps that you don't want. Does this mm -hmm. make you happy? <laughs> I can, oh, look at this. Yeah, There's a round this, of right? applause in the audience. <laughs> I think... I saw someone, uh, someone sent me on Twitter uh, some message. They were like, oh, I'll finally be able to get rid of this. And it was a folder with the name Crapple. And they put in all of their like, stock apps and all of that kind of stuff. So like, I throw everything into one folder, so I don't see it anyway. But somehow, like, psychologically, it does you know bother it's me. There. It's yeah, like the like, junk drawer. Yeah, it's like, I know you're there, stock app. Like, I fundamentally agree, disagree with your existence. Like, why would I even want to check the stock this often? Like, who is this for? I just <laughs> I wanted to go away. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> just go away, stock app. And now, like, it can be gone. Except, I don't know if you saw, there is one app that you cannot uninstall. Do you, would you like to take a guess? Uh, tips? No. <laughs> it's News. Oh. News cannot be uninstalled, <laughs> and my guess is it's because of the spotlight integration, right? That that's why I they left want it in there. Either. Yeah, I know, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Spent forever trying to trying to get rid of that thing. But so someone someone sent me that. I was like, you've got to be kidding me! The one app that really needs to go, right? They're keeping it on there. So not uh, not excited about that. But I'll be happy to clear out the rest of them. So we did have one big iPad thing, right? Like I spoke about with Federico and Steven, Swift Playgrounds. What do you think of Swift Playgrounds? Oh, man. While, while we did not get anything specifically for the iPad, like that app, that was just super exciting to me because I feel like, okay, great. We've, we've cracked this barrier, right? They, they put Swift on the iPad and so I feel like now it is just inevitable 
that we are going to be at a WWDC at some point where they're like, guess what we're announcing? It's Xcode for, for iPhone. Like, they're going to do it at some point. And what I was really interested to see is I watched the developer uh, State of the Union, I think they call it. And they have done a fantastic job of helping the user to input code. Like they were demoing their, their special code keyboard. They were demoing the snippets that were doing uh, like auto-filling functions as you're typing. The guy was showing about how he was able to change all of these parameters in his example app without ever even having to pull up the keyboard to have it go up the screen. Like I was just super impressed by that. And I have to say that I am... I don't know if a room full of developers will agree with me, but I think programming is a unique skill. Like, and the more people that you can get to do this, the better. Like, it is a thing that if you have interest in it, you can start yourself down a path that can lead anywhere. Like, you can build things that other people will use. And what I was really happy to see is that those Swift playgrounds, while they're not full apps, a kid could pick that up and make something that does something on an iPad just playing around with Swift. And that's what I think is the big deal. Like, okay, now they, they can at least see what it is, and then if they're really into it, they have a reason to transition to Grandpa Mac to finish up their development. <laughs> but, like, you're getting them started. And, yeah. that, and to me, that's the biggest deal. So I, I, I'm super happy about that. I am super happy about it. I do wish that we got more iPad stuff, though. I know. I'm very sad. I'm holding out, I'm holding out hope. For like 10.1? Because, because we did have that 9.3. Yeah. And so what I kept at least telling myself, like on the sad walk back to the hotel, of like, <laughs> no iPad. And oh God, what are we going to discuss? Mike is, oh, Mike. Oh, I was so mad. <laughs> but I was, I was thinking on the way back, since they introduced that multi-user thing in 9.3, I thought I can, I can put my hopes into maybe new Apple releases more features throughout the year. Maybe I won't have to wait an entire year to see if they change the little task switcher, the app switcher on the side, which is the worst, which is the absolute worst. Like, I love having two apps on my iPad. I do not love changing that second, no. that second one. No, no, it is terrible. I was hoping that, like, they just did it. I just didn't tell anyone. <laughs> they just, you're right. I was like, I got a few people to check, but it's not true. I was like, oh, why don't you just do it? Yeah, I immediately was looking at that slide where they post all the little things, and I was like, come on, there's got to be new app switcher. Come on, come on. Oh, was no. actually, was, we were sitting there looking at it together, <laughs> zooming in, but that's it. Gray, thank you Wait. so much. Oh, what, what is this? But Mike, I have a mystery box for you. Oh, God. Do you notice the mystery box? Wait, no, wait. I don't know what it is. Okay, so here we go, everybody. I brought a mystery box for Mike. Because... Mike, look at you, you're so nervous I right now. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Mike genuinely has been very convincing of me to come. He's been very nice. He set everything up. <laughs> and I think he tonight has put on a fantastic event for everybody who's come here. Can we all agree? Can we all agree? Yeah? Look at that guy. Look at that guy. Now, also, look how stylish he is, isn't he? Right? He's just incredibly stylish. So I 
happened to see a little while ago something that I thought would be an excellent thank you gift from me for bringing me out here for arranging everything. And if I may be so bold, you all get in on the gift too, right? It's a thank you from you for arranging this event. So, Mike, would you like to see what I got you? Yeah, okay. How do I open it? You open it up. Ooh, it's a lovely bow tie. Look at that. It is the most hipster bow tie oh, in the world wood. because it is made of wood. <laughs> I'm going to put this on in a minute. And you know what I cannot believe? It matches your outfit. When I saw you wearing that yellow shirt, there's yellow stripes on this yep. bow tie. I was like, it was meant to be. I will put a picture in the show notes of me wearing the bow tie. Fantastic. Thank you, Gray. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Stephen, come back up here. Uh, just before we wrap up, I want to say just one, one quick thing. Um, my first WWDC, our first WDC, was four years ago. Yes. And uh, we, had an, we went to an event in this gallery, the Mina Gallery. And that night, I met a bunch of people that I'm now lucky enough to call friends and people that I work with. So this means an awful lot to me. So thank you for doing this. Thank you all for coming. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I want to thank our volunteers as well. We have a bunch of amazing volunteers this evening. Yeah, we've got a bunch of volunteers in the back who helped check you all in and make sure everyone was stayed safe. So thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, thanks to all of our guests and, uh, that have joined up and on the stage of us tonight. Thank you again to all of our sponsors out there. Thank you all for listening. Uh, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Adios. Adios.